Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Political Pill. Today, we've got another great episode for you. You know, the world just doesn't stop. You know, there's always some gossip somewhere. Like, for instance, in the EU, currently been behind schedule on their vaccine rollout for all its nation states. There's a 117-year-old nun in France who survived COVID. Talk about blessed, right? And Indian government are beefing to her again. The Indian government, they just, they just don't slack, do they? So, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, admitted that the EU's plans to collectively distribute vaccines is failing. The EU has chosen an approach of, you know, all the all the countries in the EU will collectively procure the vaccine. They chose that because obviously it wouldn't be fair, it would be the quote-unquote right thing to do because obviously it puts like smaller countries, more vulnerable whilst the bigger countries vaccinate themselves and move on, you know. Which I guess it's virtually the EU, isn't it? They're kind of all in it together. However, they're not where it wants to be. The plans are not moving according to plan. Von der Leyen says that, you know, there was a problem that, you know, they took too late to authorise. So the European Medicines Agency took their sweet time to approve the vaccine for use in Europe. Uh, but she says that they don't regret being careful. Better safe than sorry, hey? But they did not approve this vaccine until the 21st of December 2020. Whereas the UK approved it in the first week of December. So like the UK had a three week head start and you'll see that three week head start gave the UK lots of leverage uh, because the EU had ordered 2.3 billion vaccines from six different makers and they were pushing to get the best deal financially instead of securing the doses, which, you know, this is a lesson for all of us. Sometimes just drop the peas, guys. It's not every day, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. But because of this, the EU and AstraZeneca, one of the manufacturers, had beef because they could only fulfill 25% of their orders. And the EU was blaming the UK. But AstraZeneca, you know, it's business is business. The UK, the, the AstraZeneca, sorry, was contractually obliged to supply the UK first. It, you know, we just ordered it first. <laughs> not bitter from Brexit at all, are we? So as a result, the EU has only accomplished 4% of its population receiving vaccines. And if we do a quick comparison here, Israel has vaccinated 66% of its uh, population. The UK has vaccinated 25% of adults and counting. Uh, the US has vaccinated 13%. And the EU is on a measly 4%. However, what it does seem that in the EU, there's certain countries who kind of got in the game a bit quicker. And what they seem to be doing is giving double dose vaccines. You know, Belgium and Portugal, for instance, they have about 3% of their population getting the first and second dose of vaccine. Because remember, guys, the, the, all these COVID vaccines, you need two doses for it to be complete. Whilst the UK, only 0.8% of the population has had both doses as they're choosing the approach of getting as many people vaccinated with the first dose and then we go for the second dose in like three weeks time i believe is the window three or four weeks something like that so yeah the uk is winning in terms of the actual vaccine but if we want to talk a second you know a bit grim but talk a second about the proportion of coronavirus cases to deaths oof the uk's numbers are disgusting it is it really does tell you a bit about the the poor the you know 
you know, I'm trying to st- remain impartial. I don't want to necessarily point fingers. That's not what this show's about. So just going to say, you know, the the leadership that maybe could have been a little bit better of handling this pandemic. The UK is actually the worst in Europe. Four million cases, 115,000 people dead. If we look in France, there's 3.4 million cases and only 80,000 deaths. In Spain, only 3 million cases and 63,000 deaths. And Germany, these guys are efficient. 2.3 million cases and only 63,000 deaths. Now, obviously, rest in peace to everyone who's died. This is not a small matter, but it does go to show what, what, what it looks like when a government and the population work together to try, try and hold it back. Because it, it's, it's great to hold the government accountable all day long, but let's also bear in mind the fact that us, the general public, play our part as well. In more positive news, there's a 117-year-old lady who survived coronavirus. She's actually the eldest person in Europe. She's a nun from France, known as Sister Andre, and she caught COVID-19 last month. And she survived for her birthday, which was yesterday of the time of recording, but it was Thursday the 11th of February. And she didn't realise that she had it, she said. She just felt tired. Honestly, it's, it's almost miraculous, you know, 10 people in the nursing home where she lived actually unfortunately passed away from COVID. Here's one that uh, my, my fellow winos out there will enjoy. She says the secret to longevity is a small glass of wine every day. So come on, guys. It's, it's time to get the Echo Falls out. <laughs> and our last story for the day, last but certainly not least, is India versus Twitter. They're beefing. Why? Well, let me explain. <laughs> Uh, India wants to ban over 1,000 Twitter accounts for tweeting against the Indian government because apparently they're encouraging violence and misinformation. (laughs) Man, exposing corruption has so many different nicknames these days, it's hilarious. So Twitter blocked some of the accounts, but it refuses to block the accounts of journalists and activists who have the the right to criticise governments. So according to Twitter's logic, if you're an ordinary person, you're not allowed to criticise the government. India is threatening to imprison Twitter employees as they are breaking the law, according to India's Prime Minister. You know, when you really need to keep your secrets under the wraps and someone's allowing for people to spread the quote-unquote misinformation down. You know, it's just, why is it so on edge, Mr Prime Minister? Well, you're out here throwing out talk about jail. If you had nothing to hide, you, sh- you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Mr. Prime Minister. Interestingly, this is not the first time that Twitter has had disputes with nations over the boundaries of free speech. But it's just normally way less public and like way more, you know, behind the scenes. And Twitter often complies with the governments, you know what I mean? In fact, I believe India even criticised Twitter of that for, for, you know, complying with other countries a few years ago. And they're basically just asking to maintain the same energy with India, I suppose. But at the same time, India, what the government's doing over there, I already discussed that in last week's episode. So if you if you go back to episode one, actually, of Political Pill, you'll know exactly what's going on in India. But the, the people, they should have a right to freedom of speech. That's just my little bit there. So once again, guys, that was Political Pill. Thanks very much for tuning into the episodes. Obviously, if you enjoyed it, hit me up on socials. Let's talk politics. Let me know what you want me to discuss in future episodes. 
but in the meantime, you know, take it easy and stay alert, as Boris would say. And as normal, I've got sources in the description if you want to do that extra bit of background digging.